0: I'm Tim Akers with Acres Cattle from Iola, Texas. You're listening to latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture.
2: Hello, Texas. It's the first week of a brand new year, and I've got a brand new episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today... The Environmental Protection Agency released a new Waters of the U.S. rule on Friday, and the reaction from farm groups has not been good. Several commodity groups coming out in opposition of the new rule. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
0: As Texas High Plains farmers work on making planting decisions for this new year, what's the market outlook for our locally produced commodities? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, you'll hear what our
3: region's agri-life economist has to say. Climate-smart attributes of sorghum, and a USDA grant for sorghum producers in Texas and four other states. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Bad news from the Army Corps of Engineers about Amistad Dam. We'll have the full story from extreme south Texas.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Environmental Protection Agency has issued a final rewrite of the Trump-era Waters of the U.S. reforms, and farm groups are not happy with it. Mary Thomas Hart is chief counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and she says this new Waters of the U.S. rule is tainted.
4: The rule doesn't clearly exempt isolated or ephemeral features from federal jurisdiction, but instead subjects both of those features to case-by-case determinations, which means that farmers, ranchers, or landowners across the country could be required to pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time trying to figure out if their isolated or ephemeral features are federally jurisdictional
2: requiring permits or resulting in added EPA enforcement. So beyond some exemptions for drainage ditches, stock ponds, and prior converted cropland, Hart sees the Biden rule as a reversal of the Trump-era WOTUS reforms.
4: This is a significant expansion beyond the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. And the Biden administration sought to find some middle ground between the 2015 rule and the 2020 rule. So we knew that there might be a slight expansion, but this leans much more toward the 2015 Obama rule than it does toward the Navigable Waters Protection
2: Rule. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Boehning issued a statement saying Texas Farm Bureau is extremely disappointed in the final Waters of the United States rule issued by the Environmental Protection Agency, saying the rule does not provide the needed clarity and certainty that has been requested by Texas farmers and ranchers. In fact, the rule allows the federal government to expand its jurisdictional reach over private property, making it incredibly difficult for a farmer or rancher to understand if they have a jurisdictional feature on their property. Bovine Respiratory Disease, or BRD, causes millions of dollars of damage to the U.S. beef industry every year.
5: Yeah, bovine respiratory disease uh, gets well into the millions of dollars every year. Even billions of dollars is mentioned at times. So it's a a negative impact on on animal
2: well-being. It's a negative impact on profitability and all aspects of it. That's Dr. Tim Parks with Merck Animal Health. He says BRD hits the industry so hard because there are so many components that contribute to it.
5: The true complex, uh, respiratory disease complex, we have viral components associated, we have bacterial components, we have environmental components that, that come into place. So it's a management-type disease, and, and we have to start young in that calf's life to try to prevent the negative impacts of the disease on our industry.
2: Parks says prevention of BRD starts at the cow-calf level, hopefully getting immunity into calves before weaning. For Texas High Plains farmers, 2023 could be challenging. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
0: Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says local farmers could see a decline in market prices for their crops this year. Starting with cotton, Dr. Benavidez says AgriLife forecasts the 2023 delivered cash price will be around 80 cents a pound.
6: We probably lose some cotton acres and typically we would consider that an upward support in prices for cotton, unfortunately, use is very likely to be down. You know, what we see in all this inflationary pressure as well as just a general sense of economic unease is that at some point people are going to stop making purchases of durable goods. And so what that means is that the things that cotton is an input for, the demand for those goods is probably going to go down.
0: Meanwhile, corn plantings could be headed up, but that's not necessarily price-friendly.
6: We expect additional corn acreage in the upcoming crop year around the country. What that will do is obviously increase total harvested corn and therefore push prices downward as we have a greater corn crop.
0: Dr. Benavides says AgriLife projects a cash price for corn of $6.70 a bushel, and as for grain sorghum, the outlook calls for something like $10.82 per hundredweight. In the meantime, winter wheat looks promising at a projected 9.12 a bushel.
6: We do expect more wheat acres how strong prices are. So the question is going to be how much wheat is planted in the spring wheat part of the country prior to our July harvest. Some of that could pressure prices downward, but for the moment at least, winter wheat is actually a kind of a bright spot in the crop complex.
0: Dr. Benavides says overall in the crop sector, finding profits could be a struggle this year. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau radio network.
2: The sorghum industry received a grant to encourage climate smart sorghum. Tom Nicoletti tells us Texas sorghum growers could benefit from it.
3: My guest today is Craig Meeker. He is chairman of the board of directors with the National Sorghum Producers. Craig, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has awarded the grant uh, to the National Sorghum Producers for uh, future uh, uh, research and development of uh, the crop. Tell us about it.
7: Recently we were awarded the Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities Program grant. It's a 65 million dollar grant that the National Sorghum Growers Association has, has received. It's going to utilize the attributes that that sorghum already has and what sorghum producers are already doing and we're rewarding those sorghum producers for the for the techniques and the farming practices that they're already doing with this program we're going to be able to bring more dollars back to the farm gate it's going to be a great opportunity for sorghum farmers and, and rural communities where sorghum is grown so Texas sorghum farmers certainly uh, will
3: uh, reap the benefits of this program
7: that is correct Got a great opportunity to leverage the the attributes we already have to to bring more dollars back to the farm gate. Find new markets that that are great markets for our crop and great markets for people and and being part of the climate solution. The Climate Grant goes across five states, Kansas, Colorado, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas.
3: Sorghum uh, has been referred to as the the resource uh, conserving crop. Tell us about that.
7: Sorghum is a great utilizer of the resources that it's been given. It's excellent in water use efficiency. It's excellent in using nitrogen very, very efficiently as well. It is poised to be a climate smart crop for the attributes it already has and using what resources it has to generate the most bushels of grain. That is
3: Craig Meeker with the National Sorghum Producers. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Deep South Texas farmers receive some bad news regarding the Lake Amistad Dam. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley.
4: The Army Corps of Engineers has put out a report that is questioning the structural integrity of Amistad Dam. Uh, Simply stated, the dam has been downgraded and is now considered at a high risk of failure. A high risk of failure means that the dam north of Del Rio is a risk to public safety and repairs are in urgent need. In downgrading the dam to a Category 2, it will be a race of time before any more structural problems are discovered. The timeline, according to the Army Corps of Engineers, sinkholes were first discovered back in 1994 and 28 years since. Officials with the International Boundary and Water Commission had corrected that problem, but lately it was determined that the limestone foundation that the Amistad Dam sets on was starting to erode. The latest report shows the reservoir has progressed now to a state that the dam is now potentially classified as being unsafe. The IBWC and the Mexican counterparts that Run Falcon Reservoir are currently putting together a somewhat two-phase plan to help shore up the foundation. They're hoping to stop the water seepage underneath and to prevent further erosion. Officials are warning, though, that it'll be at least one and a half years before the work on the project can get underway and the plan could take many years to complete. Well, a lot of questions remain, though, about the future of the reservoir and what would happen if the dam were to collapse. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley.
8: A new study examines the impact that deer and deer hunting have on economies in the Southeast United States. I'm Jessica Domal, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag today.
2: And feeding high fat diets to horses is a relatively new concept. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Feeding high-fat diets
2: to horses is a relatively new concept. Dr. Bob Judd says
9: it can be helpful in certain health conditions. Fats and oils are part of a class of molecules called lipids. Kristen Janicki indicates in the horse publication that fats can be found in forages and grains in many forms. Fat is digested in the small intestine by enzymes called lipases, and fats from forage is about 55% digestible, while fats from oil are 100% digestible. Corn oil has been shown to be the most palatable fat for horses and is almost 100% fat, while soybeans are 20% fat, Black seed is 40% fat, rice bran is 22% fat, and sunflower seeds are 45% fat. There is a reason the horse needs some fat in the diet as dietary fat provides essential fatty acids and is required for fat-soluble vitamins to be absorbed in the small intestine. Some horses fed very low fat diets can be low in vitamin E due to lack of absorption. Also, horses cannot make omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids in their bodies, so they must be supplied in the diet as these fatty acids play a vital role in the immune system, nervous system, and cell membrane structure. They are called essential fatty acids for a reason as they are essential for the horse's bodily functions and must be present in the diet. And although forage may supply the minimum amount of omega-3 fatty acids, supplementation can help horses that need to gain weight, have inflammatory conditions, and to help prevent gastric ulcers. Also, feeding fat for energy is much safer than feeding carbohydrates, as fats have two and one-fourth times more energy than carbohydrates, so the horse can eat less but still get more calories. Also, fat causes a decrease in glucose and insulin response in the horse compared to to carbohydrates, which is important in horses with equine metabolic syndrome to prevent laminitis. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new study examines
2: the impact that deer and deer hunting have on economies in the Southeast United States. Jessica Dommel takes a look at the study in today's Wildlife Report.
8: A new report from the Southeast Deer Partnership details the multi-billion-dollar impact that deer and deer hunting has on jobs, the economy, and conservation in 15 states, including Texas. According to the report, in a typical year, deer hunters in the southeast spend about $8.8 billion on deer hunting. That money is used to buy items like firearms, ammunition, camping equipment, fuel for vehicles, and on expenses like lodging, hunting licenses, and meals at restaurants. The report says with the multiplier effect, with the businesses that hunters support buying from other businesses, deer hunting has an impact of about $15.8 billion. Deer hunting in the Southeast supports an estimated 209,000 jobs with about $5.5 billion in salaries and wages. Those jobs contribute an estimated $2.1 billion in local, state, and federal taxes. That includes a statewide high of $800, $52 million in salaries and wages right here in Texas. The report says that deer hunting is also important to some people's personal finances. For example, landowners who lease their property to deer hunters make extra income they may otherwise not see. Hunters who back a deer and use that venison may not need to spend as much at the meat counter, saving them money. And according to the report, about half of hunters said saving money in a bad economy had influence on their decision to hunt. The report also indicates that hunting participation tends to increase during economic downturns. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: The first trading day of the year didn't go all that well for our agricultural markets. Cattle, cotton, grains all finishing in the red. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications
6: and policy terms and may vary by situation.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: The first trading day of the new year wasn't all that great for the agricultural markets. We had red ink across the board on just about everything in Tuesday's trade. We'll start out with the cattle complex where February live cattle dropped to 156 $156.85. April down ninety two cents at one hundred sixty eighty seven. June live cattle down a dollar one hundred fifty six eighty two. Same thing on the feeder cattle market. January feeders dropped a dollar one hundred eighty two seventy. March feeder cattle down a dollar forty five, one hundred eighty-four seventy seven, while April was down eighty-five cents at one hundred eighty-eight seventy seven. Cash fed cattle trade was quiet on Tuesday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in Texas at one hundred fifty seven. That's a dollar higher than the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher Tuesday. Choice took another jump up 488 at 28686. Select was up 408 25501. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Russell Heller, Lexington Livestock
5: Commission Company sells them every Saturday. He'll do so again this Saturday. Russell, happy new year to you. Same to you, how was your holiday? Uh, everything was good. it was cold, so mostly just feeding cows and trying to keep them going was the main thing right that's the that's the constant during the holiday. you know it's coming uh you hope for a good warm weather, but it kind of doesn't feel like Christmas if there's not a little bit of cool weather and some ice to be broken doesn't it that's exactly right well the cattle made it through did it yes sir everything was fine good your oats and rye grass and and uh wheat and stuff like that made it God uh, burned the oats pretty good but i think it'll come back y'all had some moisture right before the holiday right yes we did had about three quarters to an inch well that's good that always helps now how is this week's sale shaping up of course that'll be this saturday in lexington Yes, sir. I know one set of kids about 20 or 25, and that's all that I know of so far. Well, that's a good start to the first sale of the year at Lexington Livestock. Russell Heller, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Sure, you can get me on my cell, and that number is nine seven nine eight two zero seven zero zero two. We appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Neighbor, of course, that was Russell Heller from Lexington Livestock Commission Company. They sell them every Saturday. Now, we'll get geared up today and have some more livestock market operator updates. In fact, tomorrow, you'll be listening to Seth Crane Union Commission, Hondo, Texas. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens.
2: I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thank you Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're hogs finished sharply lower Tuesday. February hogs dropped 262, 8507, while April hogs were down a dollar 50, 9380. Class 3 milk was lower. January milk down 49 cents, 1905 100 weight. The cotton market closed steady to lower. The same factors we've been watching for the last couple of months weighing on the cotton market in Tuesday's trade. The dollar moved higher. That's always bad news for prices, and that slows down demand. The last few export sales reports didn't look all that great for cotton either, and so that's weighing on prices right now with March cotton down 23 points, 83.14. May cotton down 35 at 83.10, while new crop December was unchanged, at 80.88 cents. That higher dollar weighed on all of our grain markets, both corn and wheat finishing in the red in Tuesday's trade. March corn dropped 8 cents, 670 and a half, new crop September corn down 5 at 622 a bushel. Double digit losses in both hard and soft wheat. March Kansas City wheat down 18 and 3 quarters, 869 and a quarter, new crop July down 17, 859 and a half. Same story on the soft wheat market, March Chicago wheat down 16.5 at 7.75.5, with the new crop July down 16.5, half, half. In the energy markets, February natural gas dropped 48 cents at 3.98, February crude oil down 3.19, 7,707 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 115 points, 33,031. The NASDAQ down 85 at 10,381. The S&P down 23, 3,816. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A.,